SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, August 26th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. As usual, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, with me live and direct as we give you everything you need to hopefully make it a profitable day. And we put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kevin, the NBA playoffs continue to truck on. And, you know, it's interesting. I talk about like the zigzag theory. We talk about what it would have been like if these games were, you know, back in people's home buildings, you know, and I think about this Clippers Mavericks game we saw last night, right? And there was starting to be a little bit of a narrative around Paul George that he needed to step up, right? There was a little bit of a narrative like, oh, maybe Luca is too much to handle and these Dallas Mavericks are live. It's interesting because I thought, hey, this would be game five. They'd be going back to L.A. And, oh, my goodness, at this point in time, wouldn't they have benefited, you know, from being back in their building? But it didn't seem to matter yesterday because the stars came out, Kev. Kawhi Leonard doing his thing, 32.7 rebounds. Maybe more importantly, though, Paul George answers back 35 points. Kev, on 12 of 18 shooting, he was a plus 23 as the Los Angeles Clippers put out a very impressive offensive output, shooting 63% from the field as a team, scoring over 40 points in the first and the fourth quarter, Kev, they get the job done 154 to 111 to go up 3 2 and really kind of like announce themselves, plant a flag and say, Oh, yeah, you thought we were, uh, you know, ripe for the picking? Eat this, hold my beer. Well, I mean, look, 63% from three is preposterous, and that's simply yeah. not going to happen again, probably the rest of the postseason. Um, but it is fair to say that if Paul George plays a very good game, the Mavericks cannot beat this team. And Paul George played a very good game. Plus 23, scored 35 points, as you mentioned, very, very efficient from the field. Now, the... Reality for the Mavericks is, you know, Luca was out there. They defended him a bit better. The ankle probably is getting a little bit worse. If you looked at the way he was grimacing up and down the court each time, not having Chris Dapps, we know about his offensive Mm -hmm. impact, but he is also a legit rim protecting threat that can make things easier, which can also lend itself to 63% shooting. But this was a game that was over from jump. They came out yeah. there and offensively got whatever they wanted. Kawhi started the game six for six from the field. The game was over before it started. The difference in this game compared to a number of games in this series is that it stayed over. Is that the Clippers didn't mm. then go, all right, awesome. Glad we won in the first quarter. Because right. they have done that constantly. And then they've given the lead away. And then they've had to fight tooth and nail to try and either eke out a win or hand the game 
back to Dallas. They stayed locked in throughout, and they reaped the benefits of it. Absolutely. And they go up three games to two in this series and definitely have momentum. If we see this version of Paul George, the Clippers go right back to being one of the true contenders for the NBA championship as we welcome back in our radio audience across the country, especially even down there in Southern California with the mightier 1090. You know, Kevin, I want to ask you this about Paul George, though. You know, he's been around like, um, You know, everything back and forth with Damian Lillard, the Cancun on three, all that stuff, right? Then with his relatively poor performances so far in the bubble and in the playoffs, he has started to, you know, draw the ire of commentary of analysts left and right because he needs to be that number two guy if the Clippers are going to go where they expect to. And he's been underperforming. He had a good game last night. But at the same time, I want to get your thoughts on this. Is coming out, you know, he's talking a little bit about dealing with anxiety, struggling with depression, uh, especially in the bubble. Now, listen, Kev, in 2020, we can all probably empathize, right? It has been a very odd year, and a lot of people have talked about mental health and the strain of this pandemic and whatever you've had to do because of the pandemic. So I am not throwing light shade or making light of anything Paul George is saying, but what do you make about this, that he is now another player coming out and saying, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm struggling with anxiety and depression, and it's exacerbated in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, it was a situation that I think the NBA as a whole was prepared for. They talked about having people um, for these athletes to talk about. And it's a league as a whole that's done, um, that has been trying to do more to be there for their athletes in this regard. You think about DeRozan, uh, Kevin Love being you know, spoken Love, yeah. out uh, on this issue. When it comes to PG specifically, I think when you see somebody turning off Instagram comments, it, you know, it's kind of, you can start mm-hmm. to think, okay, you know, there, there was some it's stuff bothering this guy. But I will tell you this. The reason why I constantly laugh at playoff P, I don't want anybody to have depression, anxiety, and I hope that he of gets course. that sorted out. And I'm sure this great game will help that. I laugh at playoff P because of the track record. This didn't start in game two of the series. And the concerns about whether or not Paul George will be this good in game six, forget the next round, if he'll be this good in game six, is he has a legitimate track record of struggling in the playoffs that is way before he ever entered a bubble. No, absolutely. And and I don't mean to conflate the two topics, right? Paul George's up and down struggles or good games with a completely separate and valid thing that players could be struggling with anxiety in the bubble or, or athletes can have this. I, I, I don't mean to, you know, connect them necessarily, although maybe a great game will help him. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, guys. Welcome back on the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, you know, in in this 2-2 series that went 3-2, L.A., I kind of, you know, we've kind of gotten the feeling in some of these series, maybe the other L.A. series with Portland is another example that eventually um, 
the snowball starts to happen, right? And you, and you know, maybe once a team starts getting rolling, they're going to keep going. This Denver-Utah series, though, is now 3-2. And I kind of think this one is still up for grabs. Denver got the job done yesterday, 117-107. to 107. And I want to start with Jamal Murray, Kev, because, listen— mm. That game when Donovan Mitchell dropped like 50-some-odd points, so did Jamal Murray, right? You know what I mean? And Jamal Murray, even in game one, had a very good game. And then Jamal Murray here in game five responds again with 42 points, eight rebounds, and eight assists going 17 of 26, Kevin, from the floor, you know, plus 20 overall. This was a huge effort from Jamal Murray. And I pretty much believe here, Kev, that while Donovan Mitchell has proven to be the elite star of this series, Jamal Murray is not far behind Kev, and he needs to get his due as well as one of the truly, you know, elite ascending point guards in this league. So Jamal Murray was absolutely fantastic. Let's take a look at this series. So game one, he goes for 36 points, nine assists, and five boards. They win the game. Sounds pretty good. 14. They lose. Not as good. Bad. Game three, 12. They lose. Bad. Mm. Game four, 50. Lose by two. 42 in game five. Now, the idea that he has to average 35 might be a stretch, okay? But he certainly can't go out there and give him 15 points. And those same hesitations that we had with Donovan Mitchell that he has seemingly quelled in this series of inconsistent Mm. play, due for inefficiency, right? That we've seen, because even Donovan Mitchell right here in the loss was just a shade under 50% from the field, was at 50% from three, and gave us another 30 spot. Jamal Murray now, if he can give you, not 40, right? But if he can give you, probably going to need 30, okay? Probably going to need 30 in a game number six. What's most impressive, right, is the eight assists, no turnovers, consecutive mm. games now where he is getting people involved without turning over the basketball. I mean, he scored or assisted on what felt like every single bucket from when they yeah. made that four, that third quarter late run until this game closed. He was doing everything. You can't give him enough praise for these performances. But to really look at this game, almost that stuff doesn't matter. What jumps out? is after being an absolute waste defensively. The entire team being absolutely wasteful defensively. Found a way to hold the Utah Jazz to 23 points in the third and then Mm -hmm. 21 points in the fourth. And maybe the Jazz got hit with shooting regression like a ton of bricks. And it all came you know, to roost in that second half. Or maybe they actually found something. Probably a combination of the Both. two. But that is really the big thing here for Denver. Did we actually find a way to guard these guys? Is George's Niang no longer going to be Ray Allen? Might Mike Conley stop making every single shot and we go dad strength? We know Donovan will get his. But can we actually limit these guys? You know, Rudy Gobert only the 11 points. Right. It's a big change from what we've kind of seen from Rudy in a couple of these other spots. Jordan Clarkson, I think, maybe only had three points at right, in the second half. So that's really the big thing for Malone and this group 
is this defensive performance? Now, again, holding this team to, you know, 20 a quarter. No, that's ridiculous. But can you keep this team under a buck 10? Because if you can, you got a real good shot. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about how efficient the Jazz have been all series long, right, Kev? You know, and so for them, 50% from the floor is actually like regression. And also, I noticed 15 turnovers for the mm-hmm. Jazz in this game, speaking to your point, you know, and whether it's that, the defense showing up, or something like Jamal Murray, right? The idea is consistency, right? For this team to literally take a step forward, right? If they played consistent defense, they would take a step forward. If Jamal Murray could bring what we are seeing and, you know, he is a one of the young prize guards in this league. He just is. And he did it last year in the playoffs also. He kind of showed himself to have a little bit of that clutch gene. I remember in game one where you were talking about it, Doris Burke was saying like, oh, his mechanics are so smooth. It's so nice when it comes off his hand. He should be a 50, 40, 90 kind of guy. So if he can consistently do that, I do believe the Nuggets are still live in this series, even though they are down 3-2. We know it's going to come from Mitchell, right? Will it come from Murray is an interesting question. I do want to ask you something about Donovan Mitchell. Yesterday, Jeff, we talked about because he was being so great and so efficient, how his prop total was starting to inch up. I believe it closed at 29 yesterday or 29 in the hook. Kev, when the game was not really in doubt anymore, I believe Denver had like a six-point lead with under a minute left to go. Donovan Mitchell fires up from like 25-3, a three and it banks in, for goodness sakes. The announcers were even like, he didn't call bank on that one. That gets him to 30 points for the game, where he finishes just over his prop total. Talk about like, you know, a bad beat or a game of inches. If you were holding the under 29 and a half because you thought the algorithm went too far, that is a tough way to lose a bet, huh, Kev? A bank three inside of a minute just to kind of throw it up there and it causes you to uh, rip up your ticket. Torn tickets, I believe, is what we used to call it with me and Joe Ranieri doing the early line. That's a torn ticket for sure. Sure, huh, Kev? Yeah, I mean Donovan Mitchell. To be to be fair to those betters, I almost don't feel bad because he only was fifty percent from three compared to six of seven the day that I went under that twenty nine and a half. And, <laughs> like the, the the dude's just. I mean, he's been so good. But that's what we talked about yesterday, right? Like we yeah, did. I am betting it under. Love it. It might be inflated, but is it is it inconceivable? No, and it wasn't. I mean, think about it. he still got there. And the team did absolutely nothing offensively in the entirety of the second half. Like, you know, I don't know what they post you for a game number six, but as opposed to staying away, I, I just might have to jump on in on the over, especially where, you know, a potential closeout game. Uh, you know, mm. hey, be careful. Be careful. I hear you. And remember, in normal circumstances, the Jazz would now be up 3-2 going back home to Utah. Right. And that is not the case in this situation. So I think it is very interesting. Let me ask you this. It seems like you are telling me that you love Jamal Murray. He's a great player, but the consistency would be that next step of his game to rise to the level like we are seeing Donovan Mitchell do. Right. Kind of maybe add that consistency so that you can believe in it. Does Murray have that in him? 
Kev. Do you think Jamal Murray will develop that consistency? Is something that you can rely on? Is something that the Nuggets can rely on? Because honestly, if he is, the sky is the limit for this Denver Nuggets team. And the sky is not the limit. They are still defensively garbage. Um, but okay. it's it's very, very important for them to get where they want to be. Because you've seen it, though. Like, they're, how competitive they are seemingly depends on how well Jamal Murray plays. And can he play? Again, can Jamal Murray give you 42, 8-8 eight and eight with no turnovers every game? No, that's ridiculous. But can Jamal Murray be a 23-point-per-game scorer? efficiently and you know create more yes he can i mean and that's the thing right like it kind of hits you as you watch donovan mitchell you're like yeah you know what he's been inconsistent in the past this is year three guys take leaps right right? and jamal murray is only in maybe year four or five like jamal murray is potentially taking that leap as well Mm -hmm. and you see how impactful that is for the denver nuggets yeah, and remember, I believe, Kev, correct me if I'm wrong, but he only had one year in college. So even in his, like, fourth year in the league, he's mm-hmm. still only, like, 22 years old, okay? Like, this is one of the best young point guards in the NBA. And if he's adding consistency to his game because of his playoff experience, the Nuggets are in good shape. We got the news, and then we talk about today's NBA action. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Thank you to Chris Welsh giving us everything we need to know of what happened overnight. We also welcome back in our radio audience from around the country here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, as usual. Kev, let's look at the action in the NBA today, okay, as a number of series roll on, and it could be the end of the season for a couple of teams facing the one seeds in each conference. We start in the East, where Orlando and Milwaukee will get today's action started at about 4.10 p.m. Eastern time. Listen, Orlando won game one, but in the last three games, Milwaukee has won, I believe, by 14, by 14, and by 15. So it is no surprise that there is a 14-point spread in this one the total is 227 this is a weird one to try to think about kev to me because like oh okay will orlando show heart or will miami uh, excuse me will will milwaukee boat race them uh is a legitimate question but then at the same time it's like ah i don't want to play the prop market because i could see Giannis sitting for almost the entire second half if this one starts to snowball and the outcome of the series becomes clear this could become garbage time real quick how are you playing this one kev yeah, look, this is uh it's been a very fun series, especially kind of from the betting perspective, with the Magic, you know, getting that win. Every single game, yeah. the Magic have flashed the cover um at some point in that fourth quarter. Right. <laughs> Everybody every makes every single game. <laughs> and yeah, no, like anybody can make a run, but like they keep making it in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Budenholzer, sure. as much as he loves being able to put his players on the bench. Not to the point where he gets to play them enough in the beginning of the game to give them time to actually go to the bench. Like the game will stay tight enough if you will. Now, I actually think that this game was a little bit tighter at the half, and that's kind of 
Um, you know, the separation actually came a little bit more so in the fourth quarter. Do I want to lay 14? No, because I did that once in this series. And again, it's just you're right. sitting there the whole time. You're like, oh, my gosh, can this please end? Like, this is awful to watch. Now, do I want to take 14? No, because they could get 30 piece at any moment. Like, if you want to back the Magic, you wait till an in-game number of above 20 appears, which is more than possible. And, I, like, if we keep going through it, the total's 227. Last game, we scored 227, and the game before that, it was 228. The Bucks haven't <clears> really given you four consistent quarters to where, you know, where, what are they going to land on? Not positive. The Magic, you know, after game one, you know, you know the Bucks defense has shown up for at least a quarter, which pretty much makes, you know, their offensive team total a nightmare, but they keep getting close because, of course, they do. Do you love that, though? No, not really. No, not really. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the prop market. Giannis lost by a hook in his last game. What are we looking at here? Same, I'm not, you know, tough call. Chris Middleton, that's the big question to me. Chris Middleton had three points in mm. three quarters in that last game. Like, yeah. I'm, I Anyone played that prop fourth. over, and then he scored 18 in the fourth quarter. Is Chris Middleton going to be able to carry that over? Is, you know, now, again, Chris Middleton can carry it over and then not play in the fourth quarter and you're done, which is right. tough. But the number is still small. 19 and a half. Might Chris Middleton be able to give you 20 in the first half or at least through three quarters? Yeah, I think it's possible. I certainly do. Could you play Nikola Vucevic over 23 and a half, who's given you 30 in three of the four games that have been in this series? Yeah, I think you could. This is a game, though, Dane, that it's tough to find an angle when you know the talent gap is so wide. Yeah. You know that the potential for no, no fourth quarter meaningful action is is very much mm-hmm. so in play. Like it's a it's a tough game to to find a concrete angle on. No, I hear you. Um I, I, I wanna um you know kind of back up that thing you said about Middleton as well. I actually believe Middleton could be a player to target. And the reason I say that is because I believe the Bucks know that they need to have Middleton going like when they see Miami in the next round. Right. So I think it could be a priority for the Bucks to get Middleton kind of having a streak of good games to build that confidence, to get him going for the future. The other way I might play this game, though, Kev, because I agree with you in the way that. These games have been going Orlando making a run, but the talent gap there, you may be seeing Giannis sitting uh, for a lot of the second half and certainly in the fourth quarter. If they get this working margin that the books think they get that the last three games have shown they get Kev Milwaukee first half team total 60 and a half points. What say you? Is that something? Because, listen, they have been going right and then maybe benching their guys and the runs come in the second half. But I would think I could be wrong. This could be too rational and logical for the real sports investing world. But I think that they're going to want to, you know, leave no doubt, take the soul of this team early on. They have gotten out too big early leads in this series. What about 60 and a half in the first half for the Bucks? Yeah, I like that. They had the they got over that number in games two and three. Last game, they left okay. a little bit on the table in that opening quarter, and they were only able to get to fifty eight points. They only scored twenty two points 
in the first quarter of game four. Mm. Realistically, I think, especially if you like Middleton, you know, again, because you'd like to think that Middleton, if he's going to carry it over, he'll do it early. If as mm-hmm. middle, if Middleton like has big quarters, right, and is efficient, then they're almost a guarantee to score 30 against the, the Magic in a quarter, right? Now, you do need a little right. bit more than 30, but I think that that is a nice way to play it because they've gotten over it again in, in two of the four games thus far, but game one, who remembers that that happened? And they finished with 58 hmm. in game four. So I, I think that that is actually a very good way to play it. And you remove a lot of the other variables out of the equation. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do, right? Tra- take it as a uh, hop in, hop out as possible. I don't have to worry about, are they going to play all the minutes? I don't got to worry about, will they take their foot off the gas pedal? Either players, rotations, boot and holes, or I know they'll be playing at least in the first half. We also kept have a 14-point spread in the nightcap as well. As the Lakers are 14-point favorites now against the Portland Trailblazers, they are up 3-1. At one point, they were up 24-8 on Mamba Night. Um, And it looks like conventional wisdom is they are now rolling. They are now even shooting the rock better. But to be quite honest, you know, I mean, we got to know about Damian Lillard because if they don't have Damian Lillard, they go from small chance in this game to, in my opinion, no chance in this game. What's up with Dame Dollar? Yeah, Dame's out uh, with a knee sprain. So without Damian Lillard, this number has ballooned to 14. But there's an important distinction to make here because as many betters know, there's no such thing as a player that is worth seven points to the spread. If they tacked on seven points because of Lillard's absence, you would have Hmm. but no choice to grab the 14, probably lose the bet, but you'd still have but no choice to grab the 14. That's not what's happened here. After game four, we saw this number yesterday, Dane, at 11 and a half. And I actually... did. I don't know if we were on air, though, or off air when we were looking at it, but we, we were talking. Oh, about right. Was this assuming like, the Lillard availability, right? And that was the question. And, and it actually turns out the answer is no. But it was this right. closeout game boost that we've seen for the team going for the closeout, probably plus yep. a bit of a, like, you know, the Lakers just killed this team. There's really nothing they can do. I can't believe people thought they could hang with them. And now that And then another three number, for Dame. Exactly. So that's that's a big distinction to make here because again, even me, if um, Damian Lillard is worth seven points to a spread, this team might struggle a ton. Like you'd have to grab fourteen. That's not the case here. They've, it's about two and a half to three points to Lillard. That's more than understandable then for his value to this team. But it's another spot here, Dane. Where what do you want to do? You know, yesterday I I, I played two props over. In that Mavs Clippers game, I had a Hardaway over 17 and a half. We had a Marcus Morris over 12 and a half. And through three quarters, I got Hardaway Jr. to give me 19. And I got Marcus Morris to give me 12. I would label those pretty strong, pretty, pretty really, you know, good bets. It turns out I was lucky that Hardaway Jr. came away with one more basket in that third quarter. This was a blowout. He didn't play in the fourth. And I was unlucky that Marcus Morris, you know, got to 12 and away because. He didn't play in the whole fourth quarter. Blowouts really can hurt your player prop. Like, unless your guy is the reason it's a blowout, then it's going to be tough for you to get there on some numbers. And when you look at this game, 
what do you want to do? Right? Like, yeah. is there a world where, you know, Anthony Davis gives you 35? Sure. But Dane, look at his points prop 26 and a half, four or five points lower than what we've right. seen. LeBron <clears throat> down to 27 and a half. Now that's about two points from where we've seen the so main event here. I just want to add though, from a points prop perspective and even an assist prop perspective is CJ McCollum McCollum right. during the season when Damian Lillard has been out has been great, go. especially in the assist market. Yeah. I mean, and that's where I was going to go also, you know, and I mentioned that before with prop bets in the potential closeout games or sitting, remember we talked about Fred Van Fleet and I was worried that in a potential sweep against Brooklyn, he wouldn't be there on Mm -hmm. the board enough to go over his prop. We were talking about that on social media, but that's where I thought Kev, not necessarily Lakers props, but Portland props with Damian Lillard out, right? And those guys maybe will be on the court, even if they're down 14, you know, in the fourth quarter. So McCollum is 26 and a half. Nurkic is 17 and a half. Carmelo is 17 and a half. I know we only got 20 seconds. Who do you think is the best bet to soak up that usage? Give it to me in two words. I'd, I'd much rather have McCollum's assist prop than McCollum. any other thing on the board. Hmm. McCollum's assist prop as he might be the facilitator and distributor without Dame Dollar. We come back, turn our attention to the NFL. Oh, no, we got another game. We got another game. We got more. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Kev, the last game that I want to talk about today, it's the game in the middle, okay, and it's the Oklahoma City Thunder against the Houston Rockets. Now, the Thunder tied this series at two in the last game, so this is a huge game five. The Rockets are three-point favorites in this one. The total is 224. Here's what I want to ask you. I know we still will not have Russell Westbrook in this game for the Rockets, I have said to you a few times, right, with this variance Rockets team, you know, like, are they shooting at a 40% clip from three? Are they making 23-pointers? You know, those being critical thresholds for the Houston Rockets. Well, Kev, they hit those both in game four and did not win the game, right? So my question for you in this one is, what is the key thing? What are you looking for? What indicator will you see in the second quarter that would be like, ah, it's looking like this one? What are you looking for in this game? Uh, you know, it's it's funny, and it's a great question. I'm though now at the point in a 2-2 series where it's hard to have a, a straight answer. I mean, listen, the Rockets lost a game and where they took 58 threes and made Setting an NBA 40% record. <laughs> of them. But they made 40% of them. Like, that's yeah. supposed to be we win, right? Like, you talk that's about the formula for the Rockets. That's team, the formula right? for the Rockets. Exactly. Like, you're like, hey, listen, did they make 40% of their threes? Cool. They right. won, right? Now, if I would have yeah. told you, yes, they made 40% and they shot 58, and you're like, oh, wow. So they like, they blew them out. No, they lost yeah. by three. They lost. 
So, and that, you know, is also a Daniel House hitting the heave-ho that made... That right. Made that's why I'm asking, different. like, if that's not the key, then what is? <laughs> and that's the, the struggle now. I mean, the credit that Lou Dort is getting for the pressure that he is putting on James Harden is so much that it is impossible to ignore, okay? I know we, you and I talked about this, and we kind of, you know, you were like, if Lou Dort... Hey, listen, here's Lou Dort making an impact, making it happen, making James Harden, you know, want him to head to the bench. Now, when you look at this, the big thing for this Thunder team is consistently getting their three guards to step up. Chris Paul with 26 points, Shea Gilgis-Alexander with a nice safe team, and Dennis Schroeder giving you 30. Those are the big things when it comes to those teams. I look through this, and I, I might just have to keep playing in the prop market. I okay. have very much so worried about jumping in on these sides. The prop market, I look at it. Gordon, you know, at, at 18 and a half, he gave you 23 last game. He's been <clears> close a couple of times, and bad shooting has maybe missed you by the hook or you won by the hook. I don't mind going back to Eric Gordon. Harden might shoot a 1,000 shots. I don't mind going for Harden. Shooter's playing well. Like, all these guys, I think there's a lot of value out there in the prop market. But I've had a lot of hesitation on the side. But maybe, Dane, it's time to stop that. The Thunder were favored under these same exact circumstances when the series was going to start. Then we mm-hmm. played two games, and they were like, oh, it's definitely the Rockets. Then the Thunder got one. And I understood. where They were like, all right, they got one fine. But then the Thunder got a second. And now here we yeah. are, five and a half points off of that number from game number one. And it might be time to say that the Thunder, at that price, is value. I don't know if I have what it takes to actually lay it. Because I still do get worried that the Rockets can go out there and dominate this team. Blow but, the doors off. again, you might have to argue that that's value. So let me ask you, if you are backing Oklahoma City, right? And I understand you're, you're, you're kinda, you don't know exactly what side of the fence you want to go. But if you are on the Thunder, I think you would take them at plus 126 instead of the plus three, right? Like if you're backing the Thunder, you just think they're going to get the job done, right? Or, or would you play it on the money line or would you play it more? Do you feel like you would want the three points as a Thunder backer or do you want the 28 cents juice? The reason I might want the three points is their two wins have been an overtime win and a win by three. Yeah, they've been close. To where if it's close... You know what I mean? Like, you might have a, a little bit of breathing room in that regard. Like, just to even, just to, like, talk about how, how weird this has been. In game four, first quarter, 72 points. Second quarter, yeah. 48. Third quarter, 65 points. Fourth quarter, 46. What happened mm. here? What was it? What was this game? Like, it, you know what? So that's all about when Lou Dort is on the floor, clearly. Lou Dort's rotation. That's what it's about. <laughs> No, but like that's it's just it's impossible. Like, how are you supposed to get a rhythm for a game that has no rhythm? How do you get a feel for a game that has no feel? Uh, you plant a flag and hope you're right, <laughs> you know, because yeah, then there's yeah, value. Yeah. If it, I'm saying, but 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 seriously, right? Because if it is unknown, if you have a strong position, you will probably get value on it because to the, the books, to most of the public, this is unclear. It can go either way, right? So if you're like, no, I see something that's real. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'll play the regression and I'll play Eric Gordon over two and a half made threes, for example, right? If you do have a strong position, you probably would get some value in this one. Just to be clear, though, Russell Westbrook not coming back in this one. Is there any updates on when we might expect Brody to be back? No, look, we still have no timetable. Like, you might even argue that the Thunder extending this series has been a blessing for the Rockets. If you believe that Russell Westbrook... Right, right. but I'm saying if you believe that Russell Westbrook is necessary for this team to beat the Lakers, and you might argue that it has been necessary for that kind of, uh, you know, for this series to be extended then in that regard. I still have my reservations about Westbrook showing up here and completely tilting the series on its head. Like, that's the one thing that actually would make me kind of confident in a bet. Like, Westbrook shows up and all of a sudden the Rockets are laying six points. Like, then I'm just going to take the six points. Yeah. That's not going to happen, so it's totally irrelevant. No, it's true, but I'd be very interested to see if Oklahoma City does win today and the Thunder go up 3-2. I'd be very interested to see if all of a sudden we have a timetable for Russell Westbrook, you know, kind of like, oh, Kevin Durant, we're not positive in the finals last year. Oh, they're down in the series? Hmm, let's give it a shot. I think we might see similar things uh, with Russell Westbrook. If Oklahoma City does get the job done, that would be three in a row for the thunder but kev i do want to switch gears we've highlighted what's going on in the nba i want to talk about the nfl real quick you know one of the teams that are on hard knocks as you'll see another episode today is the los angeles chargers yesterday we talked about big mike williams and how mike williams was dealing with a shoulder injury and you know again Like, we don't realize that we're only two weeks away from week one, Kev. You know what I mean? Like, it is close. And so Anthony Lynn is now saying that we are not absolutely positive about uh, Mike Williams for week one against the Cincinnati Bengals. And so uh, I want to ask you, are you buying or selling a concern for Mike Williams at this point for week one? And I know we're all over these Chargers stacks, right, against the Bengals and the rookie Joe Burrow and all that that stuff would this change your thinking on that game that they're a little bit um you know being conservative shall we say about mike williams availability like for example meanwhile in philly with miles sanders they're like don't worry about it he'll be ready for week one they're not saying the same thing in la about big mike williams um are you buying or selling kind of a little concern here about that shoulder yeah i mean i think your only option is to buy considering not only what they're saying but who we're talking about Mike Williams has not been a, a model of true, you know, great health during his time in the NFL. So yeah, I, yeah, from that regard, I'd be concerned. From a Chargers DFS stack concern, though, Keenan Allen, thank you, <laughs> welcome to the lineup. No worries there. A little Hunter Henry action, maybe, as a value tight end in that spot on week one. As we get into week one, we will make sure to do more of that, right, Kev? Little maybe DFS diamonds and fugazis later on in the week. We'll give you some fantasy football. I mean, right, Kev, you might as well take advantage of the spitting statistician, whether it's waiver wires, sit starts. And if you have questions, let us know. We will do our best to answer them for you, maybe even on air. You know, Kevin, yesterday we talked about some rookie running backs. 
quarterbacks, right? And maybe their path to production and success. Remember Joshua Kelly of the Chargers comes to mind. I want to bounce some uh, younger wide receivers off of you. All right. And I got two that I want to mention that are getting kind of, you know, the right buzz that they should be getting in their rookie year. You know, this is what you should hear in camp about, you know, high drafted wide receivers or guys you think have a future that they're doing great. Like people can't cover them. Right. And that is the case for two rookie wide receivers that I want to ask you about. One is in Buffalo, Gabriel Davis out of UCF. And I like him. The reason I like him, Kev, is because the man is six, four. And when you look at the rest of the Buffalo wide receivers, you got Stefan Diggs, shorter guy, Cole Beasley, shorter guy, Smoke Brown, shorter guy. So early on in the career, I see a path or a, a package, a, a role for Gabriel Davis. You know, those kind of contested catches, maybe red zone. And that's the kind of things I look for for an emerging rookie wide receiver. It doesn't happen often, but Gabe Davis, because of the role he could play, and in dynasty leagues, you need to keep an eye out on these because, you know, second and third year receivers ascend a little bit um, at that time. What do you think about Gabe Davis being that kind of taller outside wide receiver for Buffalo by yourself? Uh, uh, sell. Look, this is the thing. Okay. This is where sometimes I, I find myself, I guess, maybe with a, a disconnect. And because I, I understand, right? Like, so someone like you who is so deep into the fantasy community, you must yeah. find sleepers, right? You must. Correct. I, though, will never talk myself into Josh Allen's wide receiver four. Never do it. Not going to happen. Because that's what we're talking about here. Like, mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs, John Brown, Cole. Yeah, Beasley, I named them. All, right. all, and his boss and Knox puzzle. also. Right. Yep. Knox, Singletary will get more targets as well. Sure. And even the, like, oh, like, oh he's, you know, 6'2", they'll toss it to him. First of all, I don't trust Josh Allen to throw a fade. Second of all, he's more likely to run down in the red zone. Then they might hand mm-hmm. the ball off to Zach Moss. So, yeah, I, to me, like when you, if you're going at it from a dynasty angle, that might be different. But no, like I don't look at Gabriel Davis as like that's one you want to throw with the last pick of each. I'm not taking the fourth wide receiver for Josh Allen. No, I, I understand that. And and let me be clear. That is what I said. You know, Kev, I was talking about a name to know, especially in dynasty leagues. Right. And I said it myself, Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, Smoke Brown. You're right. They're all there. But the point that you started with, I think, is important and should be made, right? We are talking about sleepers. We are talking about diamonds. And when I'm looking for diamonds, especially in a dynasty league, let's say, right, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a potential early role. Early on, I'm looking for a situation where in next year it will be different. And by the way, Chase Claypool of the Pittsburgh Steelers is a similar guy. Okay, Uh, he's also getting buzz in Pittsburgh. And for him, not only is it that he could be on the outside, Deontay Johnson is short, what have you. But for him in the dynasty world, it's also the fact that Juju Smith-Schuster is on the last year of his contract. So there's a path to ascending on the depth chart as we go year over year. That's why I highlight some of these guys, Kev. No, and, and again, I, I get that. I mean, the, the Claypool intrigue is Pittsburgh's ability to just con- like continually yeah. draft these wide receivers and feel like they get tremendous value. I think the Steelers as a whole is a interesting spot here because last year Juju was supposed to be the guy. Then the whole right. season was a mess. What are we doing with that? Is everybody tired of James Washington? Is Deontay Johnson a must-own everywhere? Like, I just... You know, it's they're they're an yeah. interesting team, especially when you talk wide receivers. 
It will be. You're right. Juju did not. Uh, he wilted under the light last year. Deontay Johnson was apparently hurt. I think James Washington is the guy that's out. Claypool is a name to watch. We'll be back. I'll give you another one when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kevin makes a great point, okay? We're talking about a guy like Gabe Davis or a guy like Chase Claypool. You know, some of these guys we are talking about, I want to be clear here. You know, we're bringing up some of these guys because when there's no preseason games, when you don't have beat reporters tweeting at practices, you need a way to get some information to understand the contours and the context of what you might see moving forward. And some of these are especially in dynasty leagues or deep stashes 16 team leagues so that context is absolutely important kev but i don't need any context for this next guy wide receiver the arizona cardinals christian kirk okay they are talking big things about him in camp and i buy this one okay i know a lot of people are going to say oh they just brought in deandre hopkins they have larry fitzgerald Kenyon drake kyla murray running i'm going to tell you right now I believe, Kev, Christian Kirk will have a far better season than Larry Fitzgerald, and he will be the number two guy by a wide margin in this offense. I always like to note also uh, Christian Kirk, Texas A&M. Kyla Murray started at Texas A&M. They were college teammates for a little bit, so that chemistry is there. Kirk is an ascending wideout. One of these young guys, in my opinion, has been dealing with injury. I buy all the smoke here on Christian Kirk. Do you buy him at that level, or do you think it's going to be something of a herd in Arizona? Yeah, Arizona as a whole is, is a little bit difficult for me. Now, to your point with Kirk last year, two less targets than Fitz in three less games. So that's the that's the big separator is that had Christian Kirk played a full complement because that also you would think that when lower fits his number. So there actually probably would have been a considerable gap there yeah. last year. I mean, there's also DeAndre guys. Hopkins coming into the fold, though. No, 100 percent. But you made the point him relative yeah. to Larry Fitz to fit. even True. last year show that that was the case. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I just think everyone knows about DeAndre Hopkins. The name Larry Fitzgerald will go in a draft. Do not sleep on Christian Kirk. Think about how many ascending second-year wideouts there were over the last couple of years. The Ridleys, the Godwins, the Parkers of the world. This guy should be in this group as well. We talk Major League Baseball when we come back in hour number two. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 